Hello, welcome to the 11th London Short Film Festival. My name is Philip Hilson, Festival Director. Thanks for coming out this evening to the ICA. And um, we're really pleased to be uh, presenting uh, an event with uh, Ghost Box Records uh, to show a selection of the work, um, the video work that Ghost Box have produced and made. Um, and then we'll have a Q&A immediately afterwards with uh, Bob Stanley uh, hosting with uh, Julian uh, House from Ghost Box. So give us a few I think the program's about uh, 50 minutes long. Give us a couple of minutes, set some chairs up and some mics, and then we'll have the Q&A. I think the first time I came across Julian House's work was uh, I went to see Broadcast in 1995, I think, in Birmingham. And um, he'd done all the visuals, as, as he always did. And they were as much part of the show as, as, as the band and the music, really. Um, and since then, he's uh, gone to become a, a very well-known, influential graphic designer, doing artwork for Stereolab, Broadcast, uh, The Prodigy, Oasis, um, and also started Ghostbox ten years ago with his um, school friend Jim Jupp, um, and has put out a lot of fantastic music since then. So, uh, please say hello to Julian House. Hello. Um, I thought that was that was terrific. I mean, I'd seen I'd seen some of that on a small screen before, but never on a big screen. And uh, uh, the first the first thing I suppose that um, I think when I see your footage is that it's very reminiscent of a very specific time period, uh, like a very narrow time period, maybe even like five or six years from late sixties and early seventies. Mm. Um, what is it about that time period that is so influential on your work? Um, well. I mean, the period that Ghostbox really refers back to is obviously influential on, on the most mundane level as being the, the sort of the television and popular culture you experienced at uh, a sort of influential age, a childhood age. Um, but there's something specific about um, what was going on in that period, I think, if, if you know, probably between. 68 and the mid 70s maybe um for us growing up with television probably being one of the first generations almost where the television was a bit of a babysitter you know you were sort of one of the first generations who could be left in front of it and um it was a very strange time a very strange sort of set of things sort of converging you'd still had radiophonic workshop and the strange kind of music that was used on, uh, on, on television programs. There was a kind of strange hangover from the late 60s psych and folk world of, of that sort of filtering into children's television and, um, and, and you know, uh, other, other TV programming. Um, sort of Eastern European animations and things. And, and, and also growing up in the time where the, the, it was a strange you know, three TV channels that switched off most of the time, um, watching the test card and not really knowing what it was. And as 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 Bobby was saying the other day, like uh, Open University being there and this strange thing that you weren't really supposed to watch, but it was just on most of the day. All, all of these things seemed to come together. And in the early 70s, there was this kind of strange folklore, occult revival, um, the sort of M.R. Um, James ghost stories on television. It, so it's a peculiarly feckoned kind of 
time, the, the, the things that were happening. So whether that's nostalgia or not, or whether it's also to do with that particular time and the way these things seem to converge, um, and in a kind of telescoped way, like if you take something with a long lens, everything flattens out and becomes the same thing, and it's almost like you look back and suddenly strange children's programs and Open University and test cards and M.R. James and the occult seem to have like merged together and, and, and that's sort of where Ghost Box comes from really is, is, is kind of like a half-remembered sense of something that you were you experienced in a, almost like a sort of weird sort of Ipcrest file brain programming or something that, that what was going on culturally and on television was that you know our generation was an experiment, you know. Um. I mean, it's, it, it does feel like it was, um, it's like a, a parallel world to what was, um, what you were meant to be watching or what you're meant to be listening to. Um, you, you, you've said before that um, the Radiophonic Workshop was, was influential on people like roughly our age as, as, as the Beatles because like, you, you, heard, you heard them more often, you couldn't get away from them. Like when I came home from school, and my parents put PM on Radio 4. You heard of Radiophonic Ident every single day. Um, but you didn't know who, who'd made it, and you didn't know... You couldn't go out and buy it. No. Um, it's, uh, it was like you weren't really meant to know that it was there, even yeah. though it was, like, ever-present. Yeah, there was certainly a kind of sense, because, I mean, it was only when I was older that um, collecting old electronic music and... and I discovered li library music and what library music was, and, and suddenly you found that in in charity shops you could find the records that the TV producers had, had used to get their cues from, and that was again was a very strange world of of kind of clashing musical genres and old sort of jazz guys suddenly doing glam rock tracks and it, just really strange juxtapositions and things, and there was this invisible world it was there was pop charts and there was television and then there was all this other stuff behind or like they sort of like um things you were exposed to that weren't part of the kind of um the apparent world of popular culture um but also they, they, you only had those channels as well you had three channels on the tv and you had one pop chart and you had all these things and and it was you you kind of ended up watching all sorts of strange things because there was nothing else. So I mean, and and so you kind of that that kind of period where you might actually watch a, a strange open university program in the afternoon at the age of eight, you know. And it, it it in retrospect, it all feeds into each other. That sort of post psychedelic world and the, and that kind of this sort of weird science kind of thing. And I suppose that's where the ghost box films come from in that. It, the idea is that they don't um, fit in terms of being absurd what they are, like a TV ident turned into a, a an occult mandala, or you know, a, an open university thing turned into a psychedelic head film. It, that, that, that constantly crossing over between what you're actually looking at, which I think is sort of like the way memory works in a way. It it, it doesn't file things properly, and things sort of bleed and feed into each other. Yeah, I think it's quite hard to tell a lot of the time which which of your stuff is found footage and which is which is new. Um, the, the the anonymity of of Ghost Box I find interesting because again that reminds me of the Radiophonic Workshop. But um, 
also I think something from 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 that era that uh, um, I suppose I have nostalgia for, um, even though I don't like to think I'm nostalgic, is um, is just sort of state control and um, anonymity through state control, uh, mm -hmm. whether it's like new towns being planned or whatever. It's like a specific post-war um, ideal, I suppose, um, where you know people's egos didn't really count and um, architects could you know, build these new towns and people could make this music that was all over the place, which, and you, you, didn't, mm. you didn't know what the names were. Is, is that is that? Well, yeah, I mean, there is definitely a kind of um, post-war, you know, British period that, that, that kind of influences us, which was probably, it, it's probably from post-war up until probably the early 80s and, and probably up until the Thatcher years, it, not so much to do with, Margaret Thatcher in particular, but that being the era when marketing and, and sort of commercial things became more um, foregrounded and, and, and that being the era where, you know, the, the radiophonic workshop, for instance, was pretty much, that was its sort of decline uh, when, you know, BBC producers are told that they should be um, seeking work elsewhere and, you know, uh, you know outsourcing. Um, but there is something about that sort of state paternalistic sensibility, I think, the, the kind of Lord Reith idea of the BBC, but also there is that anonymity, um, you know, the fact that Delia Derbyshire at the BBC wasn't allowed a credit for the Doctor Who theme, even though Ron Grain has said that she pretty much made it, but she was an engineer, so she didn't get credit, which is almost like, sounds like a sort of almost Eastern Bloc kind of... Um, sensibility but certainly something in that in that world of um certainly with tv programming was 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 probably more interesting than what we have today um less driven market forces and and probably a lot of people would say you know a kind of slightly ivory tower um idea of bettering people and and something um but certainly things seem to kind of culturally uh, architecturally and everything seemed to come from a place where somebody thought it was right and it seemed to be a collective idea uh, of of what what should interest you know the common common man sort of thing um it it does seem like another place another another country you know um in retrospect as, as soon as that kind of you know for all its flaws it seemed to represent something more um optimistic and Futurist, I suppose, you know. Yeah, we were just looking at some terrible public art earlier on today and thinking um, public art around that time would have been Henry Moore or maybe Barbara Hepworth. Um, and, yeah. and, and now it's just, it's, um, it's there because it's a piece of public art without any... Yeah, yeah I mean, if you look at the, um, the terrible Clinton cards couple kissing that you get at Eurostar Terminal... You know, and you think about, like you say, in, in, in this era, it would have been Henry Moore or Barbara Hepworth. And the fact that this is seen as a popular choice to create this sort of chocolate box sort of monstrosity. And, and that, I think that's, that's what it's about. That's kind of like um, a, a commercially driven and, and slightly banal kind of world. Um, the short film in the middle... Um, it, I think it was an individual film. Um, uh, reminded me a lot of uh, books I remember seeing in the 70s of um, photos of ghosts or people trying to take photos of ghosts. Um, and you just get this kind of like 
blur or sort of burnt out piece of film or something. Um, was that when, when you were when you were younger? Were you interested in sort of, uh, horror and? Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of like, Hammer films were on TV, I suppose. Was that something you Yeah, and I, th- in? I think it was there everywhere. And I think, yeah, you know, there, you know, there were the sort of classic pan horror paperbacks that always seemed to be, a, you know, a screaming face taken through a, a kind of distorting lens. And there, there were magazines like The Unexplained, I think it was a bit later. But I, I, I would have been aware of those strange um, sort of paranormal images and everything. Um, but I think that film is a is about that, but about media and, and film and sort of photographic exposure. And I, I always liked the idea that a lot of those things, that even when you knew they were fake, they were still haunting. And, and something about the fact that some double exposed photograph, even when you know it's a double exposed photograph, still has this quality to it. And it's 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 something inherent in in the technique. In, in the way that it's been made, so they're, they're phenomena and occurrences in, in in the film, but they they could be paranormal events, but they could equally just be um, anomalies in 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 film or, or or things that have happened to the film stock or something, or um, and and I think that's something I quite like, and and we talked before about Nigel Neal and and you know not just Quatermass but his latest sort of TV dramas and beasts and things like that, and how he seems to exist in that strange world, which I think he would term as hypernature rather than supernature. It's something that's just beyond what we understand, and something about um, something about a, a, a defect in a videotape or, or, or a, a exposure problem on a photograph sort of seems to be in that sort of like hinterland between. What is a paranormal event, and what is a, an observed um, media artifact? Kind of thing. Yeah, I think again, from that, from going back to that period, uh, especially the seventy-one, seventy-two period, uh, film stock from from that time just seems to have aged in such a peculiar way. I mean, The Wicker Man, I suppose I'm thinking of specifically. Um, that whenever that was on TV in the eighties, it was this uh, very faded. Print, which is almost monochrome, mm. um, and that that just seems to um, be as much a part of the film as as as, as the story and the acting. I think, um, uh, even though a lot of these things have been cleaned up since, there's um, uh, a film called The Moon and the Sledgehammer, which um, uh, the woman who owns the rights to it, I think, won't won't let it be restored by the BFI because it she thinks it should look that way mm. and it should degrade naturally, um, which is which is interesting. I think. Yeah, I mean, it's something that we we kind of, I think we like it because it represents that period, but the, the 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 media that was used, that we all had, um, I don't know, like a soundtrack that someone had taped for us or something off 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 a VHS, or we we had a a fifth generation film or something, that the 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 degraded quality of it was intrinsic to what we liked about it, and. And it represents, I think, the era that Ghost Box comes from, I mean, in that media was fallible and tapes were wiped and, and things did fade. Um, and, and now we live in this kind of strange digital perpetual present and it would be hard to see another generation having that same uh, 
relationship to the, those things that they grew up with because it's it's all there, it's all stored, and it's all um, as kind of in whatever state you want it to be, basically. But it, it doesn't it doesn't fade anymore, and, and you know nothing disappears into the shadows, and nothing becomes half remembered. It's all the, the sort of digital wired internet culture seems to be in a perpetual wide awake state was I think what, what Ghost Box is about is is something half asleep, half remembered a, a, a trace of something that you grew up with rather than a definite um, a definite concrete thing that's constant and, and there all the time yeah, well, I, I don't think necessarily I think the way it definitely goes beyond nostalgia for me even though I did grow up in that period was is that um, um, I think you know the an the analog era. People could look back in another twenty years, and you'll still be able to like see ghosts. You'll still be able to find odd things in the, in the sort of degradation of the tape or sound or whatever that um, that you, you wouldn't have had to live through. You wouldn't have to have that memory, that that trace memory, to uh, mm. to appreciate it. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I mean, if 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 you could put yourself in a position where in, in twenty years' time you were taking stuff from now and um, creating a sort of, uh, ghost box in 20 years' time, is, is there anything you can think of that? Um, I'd, well, I, I wouldn't be able to imagine that. It would have to be someone who, who was, you know, six or seven years old now and watching all sorts of strange things on YouTube and then downloading music, you know, whatever culturally they're experiencing, what, what that memory would be. Um, it would be different. I, I, it, I don't know. It, it wouldn't have that feel to it and you know some of it is to do with the kind of like I say the media and the archival aspect of things that were sort of half forgotten some of it was to do with the fact that we had that one little oracle in the room that was three tv channels and everybody watched those three TV channels uh when you, even when there was nothing on um you just looked at the light coming out of it and you you essentially had certain parameters for growing up at that time that would have meant that these things connected up in a certain way. The spookiness of th these things that weren't supposed to be spooky, whether that's a retrospective thing, you know, the way I see it. Um, I don't know what I could. I don't know what in twenty years' time someone who was young now would would you know. They wouldn't have had that experience. And everything is niche, and they can find. If, if they're interested in something, you can just find it straight away. You know, um, you can sort of find a little corner that's your interests, and it's you know, there's eighty-seven thousand different charts, and you know, music doesn't occupy a central place. There's probably not TV programs that occupy a central place. Um, but it's also about those things that were happening then. I think it, it, it's specifically as much to do with being this not nostalgia, but half-remembered thing from childhood. It's, it's also that there was this post-60s, post-psychedelic thing going on. There was still this state-funded electronic music being turned out for, for daytime radio programs produced on reel-to-reel um, -reel tape recorders. There, there was, or there were, specific cultural things that kind of um, coalesced at that time. There might be the equivalent things going on now. I don't know what what the background radiation of, of for someone who was young, experiencing that would would be. You know, um, I'm going to throw it open to the audience now. So if anyone's got any questions, if you could put your hand up. Did you grow up in the countryside or in a town? 
Um, in a sort of smallish town, probably at the time when I was young, between village and town, I'd say. So, um, but nothing going on, I think, would be the main thing I'd say about it. I mean, because I can remember, you know, going for a lot of strange woodland walks and stuff as a, as a, as a child. And because and we, me and Jim, have talked before about growing up in that part of Wales and there being, you know, a lot of strange old Celtic stuff going on there and standing stones and things. And, and yeah, I mean, but a lot of that slightly spooky sort of nature imagery. But that's equally maybe a retrospective thing and I'm thinking back to my childhood but then filtering it through the Penguin Modern, Modern Poet series of book covers that were 1970s photographs of nature. So I don't know to the degree to which I'm looking back nostalgically through a, a lens of other nostalgic things. But, but yeah, if that makes sense. So, um, your films are quite like psychedelic, and I guess the music as well. Um, I hadn't thought about this until today, but I guess one part of psychedelia is like taking some material and then like bending it into a different shape or um, layering over things. Or you know, um, I was wondering how how do you balance how far you push something, if you know what I mean? Um, yeah. I, yeah, no, it does, yeah. And no, I think um, it, it, there is the psychedelic influence, but kind of countered with the, the kind of um, school, schools for colleges films kind of angle on everything. But, but the, the thing I like in a lot of the sort of late 60s sort of underground film and stuff is it, you kind of always wanted to see the material somewhere. You, you, you don't distress something too far until it becomes just... Nothing. So I, I think that's the thing for with psychedelic music as well, where you, you you have the sense of something bent out of shape, but you still know what the original thing was. And so there is there is a limit to layering or stretching or warping or messing around with things like that. And in, in when it if you don't feel those sort of analog presence of what was there originally, um, so it's kind of like still has that sense of psychedelia as being a particular angle on the world as opposed to a completely fantastical thing, if you see what I mean. It's it's kind of like a looking through a certain sort of lens or something as opposed to it being completely fabulous and um, not connected to the world. I, think. Oh, yeah. I was just um, kind of curious to know, um do you kind of uh, see your work in sort of relation to the nostalgia in programmes like also the Groundy, which uh, is obviously a spoof? Mm. that kind of you know, atmosphere in that period of time? Yeah, no, we, we, it was a big thing when we started off. We would, you know, we really liked Look Around You, and um, I think the first series of that, I think we connected with, to more when it did later one when it went more like Tomorrow's World. And the first series actually although it's kind of spoof, is actually quite strange and spooky and they do the, there's one about measuring ghosts or whatever, that sort of stuff. And so that, that was quite um, an influence, but we didn't, we didn't want to be so specifically um, lampooning anything and we didn't want to make anything that was specifically, this is a public information film or this is a children's programme. It's all a bit, a bit more meshed together and that there is an element of 
humor in there somewhere, but it's all sort of warped with with other factors. But yeah, that wasn't that was an influence on kind of looking at that particular period through a certain in a certain way, you know. Um, it's not, I don't use digital recreation of analog effects, but I will, there is some stuff that's shot digitally, but then it's layered with stuff that's kind of on film. Um, I'm not kind of, I'm not kind of purist about the media that's used. It's the end field that I'm interested in. So I don't want anything to look digital. But if I'm shooting something on a digital camera and then using it in conjunction with other things, um, a lot of it's done stop motion. Even when it's just kind of footage of nature, it's done stop motion, just holding down the holding down the shoot button and just rapid frames, because that always has that kind of strange flickering, unreal feel that sort of stops it having that kind of flat um, digital video look. But I, I think that the, the the feel is analog, but it's it, it is analog process involved. But I'm not kind of against it using anything like I say shot digitally. It just has to have that feel at the end. I think. Yeah, I was wondering how much of an influence people like Jordan Belson and Oscar Tessier were in your film. Um, I mean, certainly Jordan Belson, but probably. I was probably doing things with kind of in that kind of zone before I was sort of aware of of him. Um, but certainly that that's an, an influence, and even people like Jeff Keane. And I was I wasn't aware of Jeff Keane when I was doing a lot of kind of painted over, collaged, stop motion and stuff. But um, but all, all of that stuff is certainly a very strong influence now. I'd say. Um, Question for both of you, really. Obviously, um, the ghost box to microverse is very much uh, based on your experience of British or UK culture of the period. I wondered if either of you have seen a similar process taking place in other countries or in other cultures with people kind of reshaping and remelding their own. Um, <coughs> Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the most apparent one for me, which would probably be a slightly later thing, it would be American kind of, sort of the hypnagogic kind of thing, which which has more to do with um, early video games and, and VHS things, but also sort of strange new, new age music and, you know, kind of DX7 synths and sort of that sort of warbly kind of thing, but it seems to be excavating a similar thing, but also approaching it in a similar way, which is that all of this material becomes part of this collective hallucination, like a dream, that a sheer dream that is being filtered. Um, I don't know really about anywhere else. Um, that, that's, the, that's the thing that I thought seemed closest to where we were coming from. Yeah, no, I can't think of anything else. Sort of aerial pink. I was thinking of uh, apart from America. I can't. I can't think of it. Yeah. Um, anywhere else? No. It's hopefully, hopefully, there is stuff out there like that. Cause it would be good.
Belgium, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, we, we, you know, there is a kind of, there is a sense of what Ghost Box is about, and and it's almost a defined time period in a way, but it's not completely defined of what of what can fit into that sort of world, and and that's something that when we did with the Pie Corner Audio release was to try to see where that kind of connected to what we were interested in. It, it probably was the kind of a, a later period of, you know, BBC micro um, games and those sort of strange TV programmes like the adventure game and, and that sort of period. Um, but without being too specific to say that's what it is. But even then, his work still seems to... It might be later, but it still seems to um, hark back to an analogue past. It still feels as as sort of more early, early 80s, I suppose, synth music. It still feels not part of the contemporary digital kind of world. But um, but there's always a way that we can... It, it always feels like whatever we do, even if it's different, kind of still fits back to this central, loose... I wouldn't say idea, but, I mean, there's it, it, a sense of what it's all about, even if we don't really know what that is and everything has to kind of connect to it somehow. Well, thanks very much to everyone for coming and um, uh, we should also say thanks very much to Julian House for uh, showing his wonderful films. Thank you.